Chapter Seven of the Real Oscar Wilde by Robert Sherard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As I have related in my Life of Oscar Wilde, it was the earnest hope of Speranza before her unfortunate son was born that the expected child should be a girl. I had this on unimpeachable authority in Dublin and referred to it because it seemed to me to illustrate and to some extent explain one side of oscar wilde's physiological composition madame de bremont from whose interesting book i have already had occasion to quote frankly speaks of his feminine soul and in view of the authority which she may be held to possess i wish here to cite the passage in which she sets forth her view and endeavours to establish it it is to the soul of oscar wilde she writes that we must look for the solution of his paradoxical personality and genius when the union of brain and soul is abnormal the result is the genius the phenomenon is due to the hybrid state wherein the soul and brain are bound by sexual antithesis the feminine soul in the masculine brain building creates the genius of man while the masculine soul in the feminine brain building creates the genius of woman therefore to the soul in the wrong brain building is due all that is great in art and wonderful in the world's progress oscar wilde possessed the feminine soul this was the ghost that haunted his house of life that sat beside him at the feast and sustained him in the day of famine the secret influence that weighted down his manhood and enervated his hope the knowledge that he possessed the feminine soul that he was a slave to the capricious critical feminine temperament the feminine vanity and feminine weakness to temptation the feminine instinct of adaptability the feminine impulse of the wanton's soul gave him the lust for strange forbidden pleasures and imparted to his final repentance the sublime abnegation of the magdalene and yet that same feminine soul endowed him with the supreme love and appreciation of beauty in every form the music of words the subtle harmonies of colour imagery in language the coquetry of thought that veiled itself in paradoxes and the fine and delicate vision that created in him the instinct of the poet the keen sense of feminine intuition in the analysis of character that made him the wit and dramatist of his day and the feminine quality of vanity and appetite for flattery and praise that made him the first dandy of his time his secret antipathy to woman as woman and his open admiration for man as man was a further proof of his feminine soul he has said the woman that would hold a man must appeal to the worst in him but there were two women that he did not include in this sweeping assertion the one was his mother and the other his wife both women that he well knew appealed to the best in his protean nature he himself would have been a good and noble woman had his feminine soul been in its right place in feminine brain-building he was doomed before his birth hence the strange maternal spirit of divination that urged his mother to wish that the child she was about to bring into the world would be a girl 
the mother instinct sensed the feminine soul that had taken form within her now i quote this passage from madame de bremont not because i agree with it but because it expresses the views of many people i cannot leave madame de bremont's book without quoting an anecdote because everybody who knew oscar wilde will agree with what one of his most intimate friends and admirers said about it to me one day when we were discussing the lady's monograph she has met oscar wilde on a steamer on the seine the bateau mouche to saint cloud and she reports an extraordinary conversation which she had with him in answer to one of her questions why do you not write now he answers because i have written all there was to write i wrote when i did not know life now that i do know the meaning of life i have no more to write life cannot be written life can only be lived i have lived again he says i have found my soul i was happy in prison i was happy there because i found my soul what i wrote before i wrote without a soul and what i have written under the guidance of my soul the world shall one day read it shall be the message of my soul to the souls of men i should say these are oscar wilde's ipsissima werba i was once asked in a long letter from a swedish professor to whom i shall have occasion to refer again this question amongst others did you ever hear wilde pronounce himself as to which of his own works he considered the most successful from the point of view of technical perfection or otherwise i prefer to let someone else answer this question the man most qualified to answer it and this is what he wrote wilde constantly said that all his works were technically perfect and equally so after his imprisonment he disliked all of them thoroughly and said they were inadequate expressions of his genius he used to prefer the young king house of pomegranates i suppose that what he meant by what he had written under the guidance of his soul was the impersonal part of de profundis those parts pieced together with such consummate skill by mr robert ross the poor man can hardly have known how truly prophetic were his words the world shall one day read no book published in this century has been more widely or more universally read than de profundis during the trial of regina versus crossland it was stated that of this book leaving aside the large editions of translations over half a million copies have been sold still to-day it is as good a property as any farm in Bose, for the annual income it produces in royalties varies between four and five hundred pounds a year again there was a pause the revelation of that solemn moment was overpowering i closed my eyes and pressed my hands to them to keep back the tears of real joy that filled my heart god had been indeed merciful god had rewarded that stricken genius beyond the power of man yes god was good god had given him back his soul comtessa he said don't sorrow for me but watch and pray it will not be for long watch and pray i can hardly fancy oscar wilde ever saying anything of the sort and believe that madame de bremont's memory must have betrayed her she continues his voice sank into silence 
There was a long pause broken only by the grating sound of the boat as it touched the pier. I strove to compose myself and waited for him to speak. Then I uncovered my face and turned to look at him. Italics. But he was gone. The italics are my own. Can you imagine Oscar reading that story? asked my friend, and coming to the words, But he was gone and can you not imagine the burst of his Olympian laughter? I raised my eyes, but he was gone. This was, I agreed, just the kind of story, of writing, which would have appealed most strongly to his sense of humour. It is as a specimen of the anticlimax, a gem, the rapid evanescence of the bulky poet from a sea of, well, let us say, pathos, is comedy of a rich complexion. It helps to the understanding of a man to be told by his intimates what were the things that amused him. Lord Alfred Douglas made some comments, intended to be caustic or worse, on certain deductions I drew from the facts that Wilde's mother was a much stronger character than his father, and that not only had she hoped before Oscar's birth that the child would be a girl, but had brought him up and dressed him as a girl as long as it was possible to do so, my deductions were in the main inspired by that unhappy young Israelite man of genius, Otto Weininger, who committed suicide in Vienna at the age of twenty-one, shortly after he had published his book, Sex and Character, doubtless because, as it is suggested in the preface to the eighth edition of the English version of that work, he could not bear to face his own ghastly revelations of psychophysiological truth, my deductions were not apologetic, they were explanatory. For my own part, I never saw anything in Oscar Wilde to justify the charge of effeminacy against him. He always impressed me as a man, a man of masculine bent of mind. To begin with, I always considered him a genius, and genius is never associated with what is feminine. As to which, Otto Weininger, pass him, may be consulted for demonstration, pitiless and irrefutable. He certainly was not an athlete and had no fondness for sports. I remember once asking him if he'd ever liked playing cricket, and he said, No, the attitude strike me as indecent. At school he never played any games, but used to flop about ponderously. As I record in the life, quote, He never rode on the lake, and he had for the musketry instructor and the drill sergeant contempt mingled with pity. End quote. Now, none of these things ever suggested to me that my friend was unmanly. I have known so many men of talent and genius who were men in every sense of the word, who eschewed physical exercise and exercises. I knew Victor Hugo very well. He never exercised his body. Dorday, before he became a cripple, used to dance when he needed relaxation. Zola was essentially what the Germans call an Ofenhocker, a man who sits by the stove all day, and the French designate as une pantoufle. The same may be said of Ernest Renan, as to whom it may be recorded that he also had for the musketry instructor and the drill sergeant contempt mingled with pity. He once said to me in his wonderful library in the École de France, It is exceedingly lucky for me that I escaped military service. I simply could not have performed it. I should have deserted at the first opportunity, or I should have committed suicide. 
and that was ernest renan who spoke the author of the life of christ general boulanger and surely he was a man was not even able to fence as was demonstrated in his duel with floquet oscar wilde it will be remembered once sincerely regretted having no knowledge of the use of arms so that more gallico he might be able to defend himself against insult it was only skill and not courage that he lacked as a matter of fact he was essentially brave both morally and physically as to moral courage the blackmailers of london as we have seen had reason to appreciate his quality in this respect he was not to be rented as are the pusillanimous he only laughs at us and the compromising documents are handed over without payment save for a contemptuous dole where was finer moral courage displayed than by him when released on bail between the two criminal trials he refused in spite of the solicitations of at least one of his friends to flee the country Quote, oscar is an irish gentleman and he will face the music nor was there any braggadocio here it was serene quiet and virile courage he was of good heart and played the man i remember being with him one afternoon in oakley street during that dreadful period of storm and drang when frank harris came in and asked to take him out where do you think of going to said oscar wilde oh to the cafe royal said harris you must show them that you are not afraid of them that you have nothing to fear but oscar wilde shook his head it would be unseemly he pointed out i confess i had applauded harris's suggestion but i afterwards recognised that oscar wilde did right to refuse and on that memorable occasion when lord queensbury came to his house in tite street to demand that he should cease his friendship with lord alfred douglas can it be denied that here he showed fine courage i know that in a letter describing the interview lord queensbury charged him with cowardice i don't believe wilde will now dare defy me he wrote the letter was read out at his trial he plainly showed the white feather the other day when i tackled him oscar wilde did nothing of the sort and even had he shown some nervousness it would have been very unfair to charge him with cowardice he was alone his hostile visitors were two and one of them at least the marquess was known to him not only as a violent and reckless man but as a skilled pugilist he seems to have comported himself with great dignity to judge from his account of the incident given in the witness-box at the queensbury trial an account on which he was not cross-examined and of which no refutation was attempted at the end of june eighteen ninety four he said in answer to sir edward clarke there was an interview between lord queensbury and myself in my house he called upon me not by appointment about four o'clock in the afternoon accompanied by a gentleman with whom i was not acquainted the interview took place in my library lord queensbury was standing by the window i walked over to the fireplace and he said to me sit down i said i do not allow anyone to talk like that to me in my house or anywhere else i suppose you have come to apologise for the statement you made about my wife and myself in letters you wrote to your son i should have the right any day i chose to prosecute you for writing such a letter 
an acrimonious discussion ensued during which lord queensbury accused wilde of having written a disgusting letter to his son the witness continued the letter was a beautiful letter and i never write except for publication lord queensbury eventually announced if i catch you and my son together again in any public restaurant i will thrash you to which wilde answered i do not know what the queensbury rules are but the oscar wilde rule is to shoot at sight continuing his account the witness added i then told lord queensbury to leave my house he said he would not do so i told him i would have him put out by the police i then went into the hall and pointed him out to my servant i said this is the marquess of queensbury you are never to allow him to enter the house again i remember an occasion in paris when i was with wilde and some other friends in a thieves kitchen we had been exploring the slums some of the apaches resented our presence and hostile demonstrations were made against le salle anglais some of our party showed distinct signs of trepidation but wilde seemed absolutely indifferent and continued to joke and laugh i imagine that the apaches were much more impressed by his calm as well as by his costaud appearance than by the don whiskerando's attitude which i assumed footnote costaud parisian slang word meaning strong sturdy End footnote. referring to this afterwards oscar wilde said robert was splendid he defended us at the risk of our lives he was a strongly built man and could have trained into athleticism if he had cared to do so i remember watching him swimming in the sea at berneval like a byron winning across the hellespont and saying to robert ross nothing very effeminate about that performance is there i had always considered that the fact that he dragged out after his downfall which i date with his arrest his miserable existence to the bitter end without seeking surcease of sorrow in a way which must have suggested itself to him every day perhaps every hour of his life and which the examples of great men recorded in those classics in which his soul was steeped would commend condone and consecrate showed a rare courage in so true a pagan that was before i had read de profundis i refer to the passage while i was in wandsworth prison i longed to die it was my one desire when after two months in the infirmary i was transferred here and found myself growing gradually better in physical health i was filled with rage i determined to commit suicide on the very day on which i left prison after a time that evil mood passed away and i made up my mind to live there is before me so much to do that i would regard it as a terrible tragedy if i died before i was allowed to complete at any rate a little of it i see new developments in art and life each one of which is a fresh mode of perfection i long to live so that i can explore what is no less than a new world to me in a recent and magnificent poem if rudyard kipling writes if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they have gone 
and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them hold on and when i read these lines i could not but think back on de profundis and draw the conclusion that the poet draws and going from the general to the particular confirm my view that wilde was a man in the best sense of the word end of chapter seven